Hey, Rachel. Brian, I have a parliamentary point of order. When are you going to disclose <laughs> the identity of the whistleblower? Out of order. That is not a parliamentary question. Uh, let's continue with the questioning. I recognize myself. <laughs> you, oh, you do. <laughs> yeah, okay, off in the distance. This is This Week in Nope. The podcast where we shut it down. Is no, my sign is no, my number is no. You need to let it go, you need to let it go, need to let it go. Okay, it's a special day here at Nope, right? Very special. It's been a long day, but um, of, te- of, of impeachment testimony. Of Im- yes, I've been glued to the TV, haven't gotten anything done, but we have a very special guest here today, Lindsay Goldworth. She's a total multi hyphenate super a renaissance threat. woman. A renaissance woman. She's a podcaster, a stand up comedian, a personal finance expert. She's the author of a fabulous new book coming in January. It's called Bow Down, Lessons from Dominatrixes on How to Get Everything You Want. But most importantly, Lindsay and I grew up together in Roslyn, New York, a town known for an extortion scheme (laughs) perpetrated by the superintendent of schools who will be played by Hugh Jackman in an upcoming Hollywood movie. movie. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So there's just no justice as uh, this particular superintendent being played by the hero of his dreams. There's no doubt that that's exactly what he wanted. Oh and my he still, God, he still yeah. kept his pension after all that theft. I think he got to keep all that He's money. He's the Adam Newman of Rosalind. He school, is. Really the school is. <laughs> I think that, Rachel, I think that's where we learn how to grift. That is, I mean, that is what shook my faith in institutions from an early age. No, but like, he was a visionary. He was the grifter before there was Grifter Nation. He, he laid the path. He laid the path. <laughs> you know, pioneer. my father always knew something was that my father can always tell. He always, my dad's very suspicious. And he said, they're doing so much, too much building during a recession. Something's not right. He always knew something. Your dad uh, was right. Always was right. right. Suspicious about, when you're suspicious all the time, you'll be half right. Okay. You know? Mr. So. Goldberg will have you on as a, <laughs> oh, my goodness. As a, a seer and an empath. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> okay, Rachel, we have some uh, follow-ups because so, we go deep into the news. We don't just love them and leave them. No, we, no. We keep up with the news. What? Yeah, recent topics. Recent topics. So um, I have an update on Mina Chang. Yes. Um, so I was in Reykjavik this week, and when I got on the flight to come back on Monday, I was like, wait a minute. Mina Chang is still working at the State <laughs> Wait, Department. How did that become? A, was she sitting next to you on the flight? No, like, I just was like, how? Is, how can this be after this like barn burner of an NBC scoop that she lied about everything that she was like actually still and coming if that to didn't work do it, every we day? Covered her on Nope. Like, we, why did not that not create a groundswell not... of uh, outrage? Oh, totally. <laughs> so, but by the time I landed, she had resigned. Oh, and there was. Um, I didn't know any of this. I didn't yes. know she'd resigned. She I didn't resigned know. on Monday. So there was another story. So just to back up a bit, um, Mina Chang is essentially a lounge singer from Dallas <laughs> oh. who had risen to the unlikely position of deputy assistant secretary <laughs> in the State Department's Bureau of Conflict and Stability Operations. And this is a very big job. And she was being considered for an even bigger job with a billion dollar budget before people started asking questions about her background and she withdrew herself from consideration. And she faked everything on her resume. She like went to <clears throat> technical school. She said, said she had all these graduate degrees and she had this cover of Time magazine that she would like bring to interviews and it was fake. Yes. So she was like the the epitome of, of grifter nation. Right. And it was just a sign of like how dysfunctional this administration is that it took a full week for her to <laughs> resign. And so, <laughs> okay, so within 
within two hours of this NBC follow-up piece, Mina was, <laughs> she was out at stake. Wait, what happened that it was the follow-up? So I'm going to tell yeah. you. So in addition <laughs> to lying about having attended Harvard, Mina also lied about having a degree in international development from the University of Hawaii, which had no record of anybody named Mina Chang ever attending and had no program in international <laughs> development. So, so therefore impossible to track down. Impossible. How do you prove a negative? <laughs> exactly. Right. Now you're grifting. <laughs> right. She's inventing fields of study. Um, she also claimed to be an ambassador for UNESCO, the UN's cultural agency, which she very much was not. <laughs> um, and most, She couldn't even spell UNESCO. No, she didn't even know what that was. She didn't even know what a drone was. She said she was on the cover of Time magazine because she popularized drones. It made no sense. So most alarmingly, NBC discovered that she had totally misrepresented a 2015 trip that she took to Afghanistan as a humanitarian mission, when in reality, it was um, a trip that was sponsored by a company called Automotive Management Services. Um, she made a video with some women there and said that they were all in hiding, even though like their faces were visible in the video. Oh and they were not all at all in hiding. They were like the wives of executives who work for automotive. It was automotive. like the real housewives of Kabul. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they were waiting for their moment of glory in reality television. Right. So this was the moment. This was the thing. Um, like the guy we talked about who got caught fucking a pile of leaves in Manchester. <laughs> when you were caught, you can only hide in the bushes, bushes. For Like Sean so Spicer, right? <laughs> so this was the last straw for me. She should have just jumped into the pile of leaves. Like she that guy should have just have stayed there and just, you know, dug her heels in. But she wrote a resignation letter to Secretary of State Mike Pompeo blaming the media and its, quote, insatiable desire for gossip and scandal. And um, she also took the State Department down with her. So this has not been a good week for the State Department. Gordon Sondland can't do it. Like <laughs> no. the entire House Mina Impeachment Chang. Committee can't do it. Mina Chang. Mina Chang. If she's going out, she's going down in flames. Yes. She said, in already difficult times, the Department of State is experiencing what I and many believe is the worst and most profound moral crisis confronting career <laughs> professionals and political appointees in the department history. And I say, yes, the, the crisis yes. is because of you. the State Department has hired people <laughs> like you, you, a grifting lounge singer in positions of leadership, while they sit there with degrees in international relations from Johns Hopkins getting sidelined by a bunch of idiots. <laughs> No. So who can blame them? Does she, have, does she have any albums out? Does she have a Spotify list? She Christmas album ten years ago. So now she's out just in time to create another Christmas album. Exactly. Forget about all I want for Christmas is you, Mariah Carey, my neighbor. <laughs> we have <laughs> we Nina have the new Ch Christmas classic. It's going to be on the sequel to Love Actually. Yeah, okay, it's cri so no. Christmas Grifton. Christmas Grifton. I love it. It's seasons Griftons. I, I'm. I'm Seasons Grifton. I, I, yeah. I see a whole future for this entire cast of characters when it comes to monetizing their grifting for public consumption. Well, I, Rachel and I are experts in casting, basically. So we cast real life, uh, real life things in, you know, we are in, uh, casting the impeachment. So maybe we'll cast the... The, <laughs> the Mina Chang the, story. Of the, a very Mina Chang <laughs> Christmas. Do you think it took so long for her to leave the White House because it just took that long to schedule like an exit interview? No. Because they're so understaffed. No, they're just so understaffed. I think that they didn't care. Like, she actually 
she had to resign. Like she, <laughs> that's she wasn't fired. Problem. That's the thing that I find okay. so shocking. <laughs> She's like, gotten more time and attention than she deserved. Was no. she like under like the the least of our worries department? Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. just let her do her thing. No, no Mina Chang. No, we look go forward hide to talking. We look forward to talking to you about you again. And if you want to be a guest on the podcast. We would welcome you. We would welcome you. you. <laughs> okay. Um, you have another update, I have Rachel? another yeah. update. This, okay. So um, this is an update about a subject that is as important, if not more, than Mina Chang. I'm talking about feral hogs. <laughs> it's one of our, among our <laughs> finest topics on this podcast. Yes. So you may recall over the summer, there was a man <laughs> named Willie McNabb, um, a fine man named Willie McNabb, <laughs> and he insisted that he needed assault weapons. He had to have them. They were the only solution to combat the problem of 30 to 50 feral hogs <laughs> that would the, run into it was his very back. specific, 30 to 50. <laughs> Always 30. to 50. It's a range. Always in that range. They would run into the yard within three to five minutes of his kids <laughs> going out to play. And what is he supposed to do if they ban assault weapons? Except shoot them. <laughs> Except, right. So it became a meme. And um, Willie McMab was warning us about the feral hogs, and we laughed it off, but it's a serious matter. This week, we learned how dangerous the feral hogs are, and so, so here's what happened. So McNab was maybe right. He was a Cassandra. He's, he's definitely right. They're an invasive. They're destroying all the farmland all over the world. They are a massive invasive problem. Yes. Oh, wow. They're he's totally them right. The Asian carp and the mussels in the Mississippi. They also spread tuberculosis and other diseases. Okay, so... With that context, go ahead. <laughs> so, okay, so here's what happened. A stash of cocaine worth $22,000 hidden in an Italian forest by a gang of <laughs> drug dealers was destroyed by feral hogs. The Italians call them wild boars, but they're, they're, they're the same thing. Hogs. And they're delicious. Um, so the police dismantled this smuggling operation in Tuscany after placing a wiretap on members of this gang. And while they were listening on the call, the officials overheard someone <laughs> complaining about the damage to the cocaine caused by the feral hogs. I it overheard them being like overrun by the feral hogs. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Look out! They're coming! And they just heard like hooves. hooves. <laughs> Anxious hooves. People being skewered <laughs> by the tusks. <laughs> just talking about their problems all night, you know. <laughs> Yes. So the suspects, they traded approximately two kilograms of cocaine every month. And then the hogs, they dug it up and they destroyed the gang's packages, dispersing the contents all over the woods. And so Newsweek... Causing them, no doubt, to go even wilder. <laughs> like, can you imagine? 30 to 50 hogs? Hogs down wild. In, in the inhaling, Italian wood. Inhaling cocaine? In Italy. In Italy. It's Italian like a, style. It's like a bacchanalia. <laughs> It's like an orgy of it is. decadence. It's like Caligula reimagined <laughs> by, by hogs. <laughs> so Caligula too, the hogs. Right, and and it's like what happened to these animals? Newsweek didn't know, but I I feel like they went to a club in Capri. Oh, of course, and they are having the time How did they get of to their Capri? lives. Did they leap? Is it Capri and they Island? Ran. <laughs> they got a lot of energy now. At they this got point. on a boat. <laughs> no. On like a little speedboat. I don't know. They boat. had a lot of energy. So um <laughs> some, I say some news outlet called it a porky rave. 
A porky rage. A porky rage. That's yes. what it is. That's what it was. They're at like a foam party in Ibiza. <laughs> exactly. Party. But so, nope to these bumbling drug dealers. Don't leave your drugs in a forest where the feral hogs no, can very, get it. We're very Quentin Tarantino, I think. Like, I could see that, like, bumbling, or like a Cone Brothers, where, like, bumbling drug dealers bury their coke in a forest only to have it. Because you, so, you know what feral hogs are best known for? For being narcs. Oh, they're not. <laughs> they're narcs. They're the they're narcs. Wired. They're wired. They're the narcs of nature. And they're really, aren't they really good at like sniffing out yeah, like for truffles. truffles? So like this, is, they thought it was truffles and it was cocaine and they sniffed it all up. It's and Colombian truffles. That could be the new trend in New York dining when they say, would you like a shaved truffle with that? Or would you like some cocaine sprinkled or, on or your Or some feral pasta? hog that has been, <laughs> that has only snorted cocaine its whole life. Oh, that's right. So it's built into the meat. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good terroir. It's good terroir. No, please. No. Shut no. this down. No, find okay. a better hiding spot, drug oh. dealers. No, you no. reap what you sow. Nope. <laughs> okay. Um, let's stay on drugs. Let's stay on drugs. Let's stay here. on them. Yeah, yeah we I'm got in. on them. Let's stay on them. Speaking of which, you know, I don't mean to make a joke. Meth is a big issue. People die. It's a terrible situation. South Dakota, one of our finest states, is finally doing something about it. They have launched a new ad campaign. Uh, and the uh, the phrase that they are using is called meth. We're on it. <laughs> like all of us? Like we are all, <laughs> yeah, like, like right. the whole state. Right, so I think it was intended to mean, like, we're on the problem. Like, we're on top of it. But obviously it says meth, we're on it. Right? <laughs> and there's a ridiculous, like, PSA ad that goes where there's, like, a montage of, like, common folk from of uh, South Dakota, a cowboy saying, meth, I'm on it. Football team saying, we're on it. A little girl going, I'm on it. <laughs> and then there's like a church lady sitting in the pews going, I'm on meth. Yes, I'm on it too. <laughs> and um, and uh, apparently they say that, so they're aware of the irony of this. They think it's clever that it gets their people's attention by saying meth, we're on it. But really it means like, we're on top of the problem, which they're clearly not. If they're this not is on top of the ad. problem. If this, if this is the best they could come up with, I do not trust them to deal with the meth problem in South Dakota. That's right. The voiceover goes on and says not meth is not someone else's problem. It's everyone in South Dakota's problem. So where did this genius ad campaign came from? come from? It, of course, came from a marketing ad agency in Minneapolis. Oh, see, that's what happens when you go out of state to the big city slickers oh, yeah. to make an ad campaign in Minneapolis. Broadhead Company. Um, it costs Four hundred and forty-nine thousand dollars out of their total one point four million dollar budget for meth combating meth in South Dakota. What? They spent a they third of it on this, on, this? on this ad campaign. We would have done it for half of. I would have done it for, oh, yeah. for like ten bucks. That's more than we make on this podcast. I've like done whole ad campaigns while on Ambien for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it on. I'll trade for meth. Like, Let's call just send us. Meth. What are you doing? <laughs> so, um, Governor Christy Noem uh, has declared that this is a success. She has said this is a bold initiative effort like the nation has never before seen. And the agency, of course, touting its own work is very bullish on it as well. It said that their mission was to start a conversation about meth, which is the, oh, God, I can't gag. stand when people I can't, I don't start want a conversation. What a low no. bar. No. We're just starting a conversation. No, no. Because no. no. you can get away with anything just saying, oh, that was, we were just starting a conversation. That's like the Trump thing. Like, I don't know. I've heard. We were just trying to start a conversation. <laughs> and by saying that, it was a success. No. It, I, I don't want any conversation. Okay. So they, they qualified it by saying this. They said, South 
South Dakotans are a very prideful people. We want to take real South Dakotans and give them this message that we all need to be on it. If you look at the numbers, it's really easy to imagine the entire state of South Dakota being overcome by meth. Well, there's only like four people who live in South Dakota. <laughs> and all and in I, the just, ad. I don't think they're it should be ad. a state. I think it should be merged with North Dakota. There's no reason why. No, I actually, this is way off topic. <laughs> I once interviewed the the governor of North Dakota, uh-huh. and he there was a proposal that North and South Dakota merge. They should merge. No, and then it should be sliced north-south instead. So there's East Dakota and West Dakota. Because huh. East Dakota has is more of like a blue state. It like has more in common with Minnesota. Uh-huh. And, and West Dakota is more like Montana, and it's more of like a Western cowboy state. I agree with the plan, except without <laughs> the slicing. Just put it in one. Well, it used to be the Dakota Territory. That's what it should be, <laughs> and so it shall be. <laughs> this is I've. This is all my favorite topics. All these things. Well, also because I briefly worked in PR for like a, a year, and because everyone's talking about it, even if they're making fun of it, they're like, it's an organic viral success. It's better Clearly. to be talked about than not be talked about. And also because because we're um, we're not paying for everyone to be talking about this, so you can't pay for this kind of people making fun of what we're doing. So as far as they're concerned. This is like the thing of the year for Right, them. but the, the problem is what are they talking about? Like, this is going to drive they, people to take meth. What are they actually doing about the, the meth problem? <laughs> I don't, that's the question is what does this have to They're do? They're raising awareness. That's the worst because people raising aren't aware awareness. of meth. Everyone's aware of it. Everyone's seen Breaking Bad. Yes, there is no. There is a problem here. It is a it's, grave it's problem. Awareness. This is not the awareness. Awareness is. I don't think lack awareness. of conversation is not the problem here. Hiring a mini, a, a big, the liberal elite Minneapolis ad agency to make a ad campaign is not the answer. Well, if they were elite, it would have said meth. You're on it. Oh, but they're saying no. We're on. We're it. on we're it. On right. Us. Well, that's why they're imposing it. They're saying like South Dakotans, you're the ones yeah, on it's it. Not us, not North us. Dakotans. You're on it, not us. <laughs> Maybe they are all on it. That's no, the yeah, only that's explanation. A very valid I felt like I was on it when I was reading the debate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Honestly, okay. nope. South Dakota, get a better ad campaign. We salute your efforts to combat the meth scourge, but there's got to be a better way to do it. On a cheaper way. Don't spend that much <laughs> Don't on spend it. That much money. Ad campaign. Open more what clinics or whatever you, you have. Do. No, no. No, shut that down. Absolutely no South not. Dakota. No. Forget it. Um, much friendlier story, I guess. I don't know. Have you ever stayed in an Airbnb? Of course. I like it. Have you? I have. I've had mixed results. Mixed results. I had one or two like, I can't believe this is an Airbnb, and then one or two like, oh, if this is Airbnb, I'm staying in a hotel. Yeah. I, I've stayed at one or two where there's been like a sign written in crayon on a door that said, keep out. <laughs> they <laughs> all I, have that. Yeah. That's where like their sex dungeon is. I mean, yeah. Well, you're the expert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, probably not. Probably just like a creepy closet. But uh, I haven't had a lot of Airbnb luck, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. It's a, it's a mixed bag. So Brian Chesky, the CEO of uh, Airbnb, was speaking at a New York Times conference, Dealbook. Um, and he was asked about what are the what's the weirdest customer complaint you've ever gotten. And he says, one day a customer calls us and they want a full refund. And why? Because the house is haunted and there's a ghost in the house. So what do you do? You call the host. <laughs> and, and he assumed logically that they would deny and say, this is ridiculous. There's no such thing as ghosts. But they actually confirmed that there was a ghost there. Um, and they said that it's OK because it's a friendly ghost named Stanley. 
and the ghost is friendly, and it's in the listing description. And then they go and check it, and sure enough, there is mention of Stanley the Friendly Ghost in the description. So you get what you pay for. Yes, as advertised. (laughs) Buyer beware. (laughs) Caveat emptor, right. But then they go back to the guest, and the guest says the problem is not that there was a ghost, is that Stanley was not friendly. (gasps) Oh, it was Stanley's personality. It was Stanley's (laughs) personality, that's right. And the guest said, we knew about Stanley, that's why we booked it. But Stanley has been harassing us all night. (laughs) Oh my God. Was Stanley like the masturbating ghost <laughs> oh, no. that would be terrible that's the worst kind of ghost that's the worst kind of ghost <laughs> isn't that uh wait isn't there some like word for like the ra- the ghost that comes in and has sex with you while you sleep uh, an incubus succubus succubus incubus an, an incubus yeah one of those right if he was an incubus it was fine at least you might enjoy yourself I mean, you should get like a discount if it's going to be an incubus. I think you should pay extra or pay extra. <laughs> so that opened up a whole can of worms about other ghostly haunted Airbnbs. And there are dozens of them, hmm. dozens of them where they advertise a ghost. Um, and there's a story of this couple in Missouri who just a few years ago, they bought a new house. They bought their dream house. And then within a year, they realized that it was haunted, but they didn't want to sell the house. So they moved out and they Airbnb beat it. And mm-hmm. it's been a very profitable endeavor. So the ghost was a blessing, actually. Then this opened up a whole other can of worms, which is like other Airbnb horror stories, which is a thing about, but specifically about like other um, animate or inanimate objects living in the Airbnb with you. So there was one that advertised that the house had a parrot and, <laughs> and the renters were bird lovers uh-huh. or at least animal lovers. So yeah, they had yeah, no yeah. problem. They thought, oh, this would be a nice novel- novelty. We'll stay at a house that has a parrot. We'll get to try this out. But it turned out that it was a studio apartment. Oh my God, And the hilarious. parrot was like in a cage, like, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> right, all like night in long. a cage. And then it turned out that the parrot had some sort of like escape hatch. And it actually was accustomed to sleeping in the bed with the owner. That's fantastic. (laughs) So the the, the guest woke up. (laughs) And the parrot was in bed with them. This is my kind of romantic comedy. <laughs> wow. This is like a Brian Chesky, Ryan Murphy yeah, collaboration. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. seeing like some crossover. I'm seeing something's going to be happening. This in could 20- be a rom-com. It could, it could be, be like rom-com. Last Christmas <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> to, to the songs of George Michael. <laughs> we were too cheap to stay at a hotel, so we stayed at an Airbnb with an amorous parrot. They meet and then cute. We, they meet cute. They meet cute. Right. And the parrot is, the, oh, this is it. The parrot is the matchmaker. And the parrot, like, Everyone who stays at the Airbnb falls in love from the aphrodisiac of the parrot. Totally. Until, I see. Until, yes, until, go ahead. Like, until the parrot gets jealous and runs off with one member of a couple. Yes, and Lindsay, your turn. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and then, um, and, and the lovers only know from the trail of crackers to the bedroom. Oh, oh. That's, that's the reveal. That's the reveal. That's the act three. That's what leads into the sort of the, the crisis. But it could be called like hot cockatiels. I came back with it. I came back with nope, it. No, shut it down. Bring it on, Airbnb. Okay. People of rooms, empty rooms only. <laughs> no. Thank you. No. no this is terrible. No. Okay. Oh, God, I'm exhausted. Some more antics here. Um, so have you heard of this woman, uh, Taya Lavin? I have. I've yeah, seen her on, people know her on name. the socials. She used to be a uh, New Yorker fact checker, and she was fired because she reported that an ICE uh, guy agent who had a tattoo, she said was a Nazi symbol, and it wasn't. Um, so sort of a like a 
like a sort kind of, of a fundamental error. fundamental requirement Ooh. of a of a fact checker that uh, you don't label Nazi things. Don't, don't do that. that. Not Nazi, right? She also was on Jeopardy, and she like trolled uh, Alex Trebek on Jeopardy oh, with like the, right. So she's, she's so she um, sounds amazing. <laughs> these are terrible moves. Talia, come be on the podcast. But what she does do very well is that she basically prank texts Rudy Giuliani very very well. And we know that Rudy is our most technology-challenged uh, president's personal his, lawyer. What are you talking about? His cell phone is like a steel trap. <laughs> it's, he's, a, he's the technical advisor to the White House. I was going to do a little bit about all the things he's done wrong with technology, but it was so long. Oh I was God. like, I can't bog down this podcast yeah. with love. He's a so, series of tubes, very right. cyber. <laughs> right. So I um, I decided – so I'm just going to read this tweet. So it's not a tweet. It's a, it's a cell – it's a text exchange that she had she had she got a new cell phone and she had rudy's number that i guess carried over but he didn't know who it was and she goes by the twitter handle like girl reporter so she sort of poses as this like girl reporter (laughs) asking like very innocent questions but but sort of just unpranky enough that you might think it's real so out of nowhere and you see the text on both sides he, she goes, hi, Rudy, Talia Lavin, girl reporter speaking. Oh, so she didn't pretend to be somebody no, that she wasn't. No, no, no okay. she wasn't like, yeah. Wondering if you have time to talk about some crimes. Specifically, <laughs> specifically, have you done any big crimes you want to talk about? I'm here for you, Rudy. And he writes, no crimes, big or little, just going through necessary attack by Dem cover-up media. All stupid. Let them knock themselves out. Can you believe this? Okay, this and is, she writes back. There's a bunch. fantastic. She goes, okay, but are you sure? Maybe it's just a little <laughs> bit of crime? Crime time with the boys, am I right? <laughs> and he writes back, you can't believe how I am careful. Know the, I know the wolves are out there and corrupt media is in tank for them. And there's a bunch more back and forth. I'll spare you. And she goes, okay, got a dash. One last question. What does Donald Trump smell like? I bet he smells like baby powder. A handsome, powerful man, just like you. Finally, he snaps. He goes, this is ridiculous. Who are you? And she goes, Talia Lavin, girl reporter. I got moxie, and I'm not afraid to be a little bit of a gumshoe. <laughs> I love her. I love her, I, right? I love her. Right. So he writes back, this kind of texting doesn't really inspire confidence that trying to explain things to you will be terribly productive. If this is your choose profession, Oy. I would suggest a somewhat more, let's say, progress, uh, pro, uh, progress, professional approach to an interview. So he's engaging. Why is he, like, debating her? What is happening? And then she goes, I suppose you're right. Ma always did say I have more curls than sense. <laughs> can, you, can you send me a photo of that handsome mug, Rudy? Or how's about just one eensy-weensy detail about your crimes for a pretty little lady looking for her first big story? And he writes back, time to end this. It's either too silly or worse. No. <laughs> I love that Talia That is amazing. Yep. Now, I love her, yeah, right? Yep like, Talia facts Lavin. be damned. Yes. Like, she's finding out, she's, talking about the crimes. She's getting in there. She's asking about the crimes. She will not stop. She will not well, relent. Given, I, I think that we learn more about Rudy from that, given that when they go on the Sunday shows or wherever, you just get the same talking points and the same everything. That's the real unvarnished that's the real Rudy. Rudy. And she got access. And that's yes. the thing. So access I, is I, currency. I I, uh, she might not be the world world's greatest fact checker but uh she's she does got moxie and pluck and sass yeah yes. oh, when he asked at some point he asked her where is she from where is she from like what what news rep- organization she said the daily bugle <laughs> <laughs> 
He's like, my, my son interned there. That's a good paper. Isn't that the Boy Scouts newspaper? I think it's for Superman. Isn't that where Clark Kent worked? Yeah, that's right. Yes. Good call. I'm Lois Lane. <laughs> the girl reporter. Yeah, girl reporter. Girl reporter. Yeah. Oh, very good. I'm so envious of these people that can carry off these charades and grifts. I am just, I'm just always been that's too honest. Amazing. Yeah. I admire her. She should have been my up. But, but she wasn't even, she was she didn't being lie. herself. She <laughs> was just putting it out there. Just and in I, a stylish, super stylish, persuasive way. With panache and pizzazz. And, and she got like 50 texts into an interview with yes, him. That's, that's probably more than he said to anyone. That seems like a massive security risk in every single way. Well, it's he, all very appalling and hilarious. It's <laughs> hilarious. It's hilarious that this man is who has been on the payroll as like the tech technology security advisor <laughs> to, to like right. nations to right. nations of the world it's really the guy at the genius bar who really is heading yes, up homeland security yes. for this country he's donald really. trump's oh, yeah. genius bar yes and look what a stable genius he is right. okay oh no, no no no, no rudy degree, but you didn't need this but yep to tell you okay um Here's my final item. So um, I thought this was, when I read this article, I thought it was about one thing, but then it's about another thing. Like so many things. Just like the Mueller investigation in Ukraine, like you think it's going to be a one thing and it's about something much bigger. It's right. Right. So this, this here's, what I, here's what I thought it was. So I thought it was a wacky story, which it is a wacky story about this San Francisco guy on a first date. And uh, he asks out a woman who uh, has a... Uh, I don't know. She's an investor. And uh, he asked her to go to on a date. And when they were on a date, he said for the subsequent date, he wanted them to go pretend that they were homeless. Um, do you know the story? You I do. do. I do. <laughs> this is very much a story that I, I would follow. <laughs> OK. To pretend that she's homeless. Uh, and she was interested in pretending to be homeless. And he wanted to see if he could live with less just in case his investment fund imploded. This is his because that's second date. This either is a second date proposal? Yes, yeah. okay. So either you're a hedge fund manager or you're homeless. Oh my God. Right? Because if you're not a hedge fund manager, like, why live? Why go on living? Dating in San Francisco is the worst. I've okay. never, well, yes. I'm about to get to that. So <laughs> she actually agreed to it. She did it. And here's what the date actually consisted of. They ate fast food and then slept in a tent in a park. That's not homeless. Park. No, that's not. And she were, it's like urban camping, but he was labeling it as being homeless. Right. That's homeless. That's not homeless. How about like 15 years of like being like kicked around that in the like system we and having like a milk. go on the Hort tour. Right. Like, that's, that's like, yeah. that's, <laughs> no, it's like we work park. Yes. <laughs> like, it's like ho- we And to be homeless and, uh, yes, I, you right. guys go first. I can weigh in on this in a very, <laughs> this, this makes me angry in all kinds of ways. Right. So anyway, you were exactly right. It's about the, the article actually is about the whole state of dating in tech culture in San Francisco and in the Valley and how it's so work oriented that people like meet their first Tinder dates at the office um, because like that's, they never leave the office and that's their natural environment. Because it's love where you work is like in neon all over. Absolutely. Like, do, yes. what you love. do who you love. Yes. Yes. Do who you love. Do who you love. Do who you work. Exactly. <laughs> work or you do. Uh, that's why I got kicked out of that. We work. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's this woman, Amanda Bradford. She has a, she's a, Oh, yeah, she's starting a dating app, which I'll talk about in a second. She says, dating in San Francisco is like going on a business meeting where everyone is asking about your churn and your metrics. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. I don't think it's a business. I think it's about asking about the dating churn. 
Like, is, you know, oh, what's yeah, your so, what's your retention no. rate of like what's first your reti- day? What's, what's your engagement rate? rate? Right. What's, what's your, your cost of what's acquisition? What's your NPS? Your net, net promotion score? score. Ew. <laughs> Ew. Oh you can do a survey and see how right. how likely would you be to recommend this person to right. your friend? Right. What so, if you what if you ask what their clout score was? You just oh, be immediately clout. outed as like a, as, as some kind of a weird narc. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like or someone who's like living. Yes, exactly. Okay, so this woman started this this dating app. You might know about it. I I had never heard about it called The League. It's one of these like, oh, we're so super exclusive. Costs $999 a month. What do you Not get year, for that? What you advantages? You get connections with like other like elite people who can afford $1,000 a month. And oh they have God. different tiers. $1,000 a month? Yes. Different tiers. And there's a tier called The Investor. Dude, we, um, we, we need to go into business. Well, you and me can finagle something. <laughs> Why, what are we, well, what what are are we, we doing? doing? Yes. <laughs> what and are you and I doing Apparently, right now? like, there's matchmakers, and they say that their clients are desperate. A lot of them use, like, Salesforce CRM systems to track, their, to track their dates. There's just one guy they interview. His name is Tushar. He's a developer, but he only goes by one name, I like wish Prince. you could see my face right like now. Prince, <laughs> like Prince, Tushar. Um, and he has a chat bot to engage his potential matches online. And he says he talks to up to, talks, quote unquote, to up to 5,000 people at a time. <laughs> at once? <laughs> yes. Like the chat bot is automating it. So he, he designed a chat bot yes. to communicate with the people to on the, the league. To the possible. I don't know if it's the league. It might be it's a like separate. It's like some other thing. Right. Okay. So he, he's probably getting like APIs from different dating things. Okay. Right. Yeah. And it's like a feed. He gets a feed and then so he chats. He's, he's like he's, he's life hacking he, dating okay right? and i'm sure whoever he picks as his wife or her husband will be like the perfectly well-adjusted person <laughs> oh. who doesn't feel like it was at all a bait and switch it'll be mean and ch- <laughs> i have always wanted to to meet the man of my dreams on salesforce crm software and then if it works out then if it works out it like sends them a calendar invite like a google oh. calendar invite for oh. a, oh my God. a so like you know there is a dating app that uses instead of the LinkedIn, uh, the, the Facebook pool, it uses the LinkedIn pool. So you could meet oh. people. People think it's a slightly more elite uh, group of people. Then so I so I when I interviewed the guy who ran this app, I said, well, don't you worry that about corporate espionage that someone might want to, you know, meet with someone from another company to maybe scope out the competition. And he said, that's never occurred to us. And he goes, I don't know what that says more about you or about us. And yeah. I said, well, I'm deranged and you're short sighted. <laughs> and he said, what could possibly go wrong? He said, I'm going to talk to my lawyer. And I said, let's stay in touch. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like they're just unprepared for the reality of us. They need to talk I to think. us. Yes. I can always okay. see the, the grifter side of things. Yes. So nope to San Francisco dating scene. Just take out a classified ad in the newspaper. Or just don't date at or all. Just, just don't, don't date. Just go in a hole. Just go home and just develop an app. Do watch go do Mrs. have a virtual Fletcher and masturbate. <laughs> absolutely. Go, go watch the Crown and masturbate. Yeah, just do anything. Fleabag. There's so many options. There's so many masturbatory options streaming. <laughs> do some, just do, do one some of those. volunteer work. Volunteer for the homeless. <laughs> volunteer. The actual don't homeless. masturbate when you do. Then <laughs> don't masturbate while you're volunteering for the actual homeless. Thanks. <laughs> Or volunteer for these homeless daters. Don't yeah. follow, right. No, Do not no, support any no, GoFundMe's no. for homeless daters. Shut it no. down. No. no. Shut okay. it down. No. Okay. That's my last 
<laughs> Rachel, you okay. want to talk to Lindsay, I know. Yes, yeah, so I want to talk to Lindsay about your amazing book. Um, Thank you. Bow Down. Um, you've spent several months like embedded in the dominatrix community. <laughs> sort of. Yeah, and here you are. You've emerged from the sex dungeon. To I have. Like with lessons for life, like a phoenix. Yes. Um, so tell us about your book. Thank you so much. So um, I've always been um, obsessed with different subcultures, and um, I always found the idea everyone knows what dominatrix is and everybody knows someone who's been a dominatrix that's what i learned especially in new york everyone has a, a roommate or a cousin or a no, boss I don't. <laughs> well it turns out that i, I, I probably know. do i just don't know you it. do i do my uh, friend's uh college roommate yes. who i went to college with is uh, was a dominatrix, was a dominatrix. In new york. yeah and i just always been really interested and I, I had the opportunity i was really lucky to pitch a money book a personal finance book and i had some ideas but there's so many wonderful personal finance books out there and i'm not a um I'm not a personal finance expert. I don't have a, I'm not a certified financial planner. And I had this idea and it seemed initially like a little bit of a, you know, a sassy idea, you know, like, why don't we ask a dominatrix how to negotiate your salary? She'll help you whip yourself into shape, you know? Yeah. So, um, and then they said, we love it. And I was like, oh shit, now I have to read this book. <laughs> um, but I was just so lucky. Um, I ended up getting in touch with this one woman who's actually in the, uh, the beginning of the book, this woman, Simone Justice, uh, who is a dominatrix. And yeah, she you was, loved Simone. she is an incredible person. She's become a true friend. I was just texting with her earlier today. Um, she uh, saw that I was for real, that I wanted to write about their philosophy. I didn't want to write about anything salacious um and she connected me with some people and she got me into this dominatrix convention called domcon which happens twice a year uh one and i went to the one in la which was amazing and uh and i and it was funny i thought it was going to be this sort of fun you know workbook but i ended up having a lot of questions about myself and about how you know how do i you know how do I be a better person in the second phase of my life? How do I ask for what I want in my in the boardroom, in the bedroom, in my marriage? And I just it ended up becoming much more of a personal book. And and I thought the women were going to have all these you know kind of rote answers, but they were all really sensitive and empathetic. And I just found the way they thought just resonated with me really deeply. So it ended up being this really personal book. It was very earnest. Like you were. It was very, very earnest. You were very um, like reverential towards the dominatrixes, and yeah, it was interesting because they seem like almost like very like philosophical they are they have their own views on life definitely they were all the ones i spoke to i can never i cannot speak for for everybody but the ones i spoke to you know they're definitely you know have a more activist bent to them um they very much have their their philosophy is definitely one about you know empathy and communication and caring and you know they and they want um I don't know. It was very funny. I thought that they were going to just be so different than they were. I thought, but in the end, they, they didn't have any answers for me. Yeah. They just kept posing questions to me, you know, and in the end, it just had to be about asking, you know, why do you think you not have control of the situation? You know, why aren't you putting yourself first? Why do you feel like you always have to be on the defensive? And in the end, it just comes down to you asking, why are you accepting less? And these are questions I was asking myself, you know, as I was getting a little bit older, you know, why you know, how had I changed? Why was I expecting myself to be the same person I was at 20? Mm-hmm. When I was 20, I wanted something different than I wanted when I was 40, you know, and why was I so disappointed in certain things? And and it was very funny. I mean, I think they're just as shocked as I am by how much I learned from talking to them because I think that not they're not asked as often as they should be about um, about the things I talk about in the book, about work and about relationships. A lot of the doms um, do couples counseling, which I didn't realize, so... Um, I don't know. They just found them to be this like font of wisdom for so many things. And they all have such great senses of humor. Yeah. Well, so I want to ask about like what you learned from them, but I also am interested in what you wear to a dominatrix convention. Okay. 
so I dressed up as, you know, I was Tally 11 girl reporter. <laughs> <laughs> I was, so I was so like honored that they let me into the convention, like and sit in on the workshops. Workshops so were amazing. There was no press pool. It was just very really. much like an insider It was definitely thing. an okay. insider thing. The first few days were just like people who were career dominatrixes. People came and, you know, these women came and they were there to like learn. They had their moleskins and their glasses and they were here to, and they, there was, you know, industry workshops. I went to every single workshop. I wish I had a tape recorder in my brain. The workshops ranged from like anger management to mental health to tease and denial to I uh, wrestle, had a, um, I, there's a woman I interview in the book who's fantastic, who does these WWE style wrestling sessions. She dresses, she, she's built like a lady wrestler. She does jujitsu and all these different kinds of martial arts and men pay her to like dress up like a superhero and just like wrestle them to the ground <laughs> and, and it makes sense okay. there's all these men I mean wrestling is there's a huge something thing for yeah. everybody yes um so I got to sit on all these sessions and just watch all these women just take notes and be just it was it was and watch women like ask questions and solve problems really quickly that was the other thing a bunch of alpha women in a room kind of getting to the bottom of something was probably the most erotic thing I've ever seen in my life yeah. so was this, was this primarily people who were in a, a couple or a relationship where they were dominatrix or were they in some way professionally affiliated like these were all were, professionals were all these professionals. were all women okay. who would do it professionally okay. later on in the conference they were women who did it um or more lifestyle it was just part of their so life so if you were a professional dominatrix what are your career options like how do you monetize that that's a fascinating question uh so you can you know do what you do you can have sessions you know um if you are um, a dominatrix or a sex worker, you're going to be facing some problems these days uh, because of some of the laws that are on the books now because of our President Trump. Uh, the SESTA-FOSTA laws prevent you from um, from advertising. There's no more face. There's no more uh, Craigslist. There's no more Backpage. Yeah, that's been Tumblr. terrible. Yeah. So there's there's li- there's fewer ways for you to be able to get you know get clients you know to to to, to vet clients to services. market yourself. But, you're like locked out. Um, all the DOMs have been kicked off Instagram, kicked off Twitter various times. That's bullshit. It that's really it is beyond bullshit. bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, for bullshit. consensual, I mean, this Up is my with Russian Russian trolls down with dominators. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I I mean, this is my, I don't want to go. This is my, right. my becoming my personal soapbox is you know like let consensual <clears throat> people have consensual acts and do whatever. Of they course, want. and it is Come a financial. On. It is a financial, and because I write about money, there is a lot of financial injustice happening because so many of them have to pay to get paid. Um, various fees. They can't use certain credit cards. They can't. You know, they kicked off PayPal and Venmo. So it was. It ended up being a really interesting money story for me to see the the inequality of how some some people, sex workers in particular, as one population, just to get access to any kind of money and all the alternative economies they have. I spoke to two dominatrices two dominatrices yesterday. I was going to add, that was it's my number one question. Is like, but that's like, a little bit of a mouthful. Like matrix, um, matrices, yeah. So if you want to see a dominatrix, um, you want, you, should, you normally you have to present a deposit because, you know, so they don't waste their time. Another mm-hmm. thing that I appreciate the idea that someone should have to put on deposit not to waste your time. Um, if you can't pay someone in, in cash or you can't use... Um, PayPal or Venmo, people will just use like an Amazon gift card. What about Bitcoin? Like, I feel like the dominatrices would be very interested in cryptocurrency. You know, I would, there's a whole article to be written about, um, which I would love to write maybe next year about the whole, the promise of Bitcoin uh, helping the adult performer. I think well, that Pornhub, Pornhub cut off, uh, PayPal cut off Pornhub. Yeah, now. Just paying people right. with PayPal. Right, and there are people who depend on, uh, depend on Pornhub for their living. Yeah. Their it performers. Is just, uh, PayPal has so, has, has a, 
a history of being very terrible to to people who are sex workers and, and adjacent industries. Yeah. So in the end, it ended up being very interesting to me to just watch all these women who are all really entrepreneurs, hustlers, setting up their own branding, their own marketing. They're not that different from me, just slightly different ways of making a living, trying to you know figure out what their rate is, trying to do all these things, and just coming up against all these different hurdles and coming and figuring out how to do these workarounds. And I love resourceful people. I love funny people. I love interesting people. And I'm interested in sex. I'm interested in money. So it ended up being... <laughs> Um, just this amazing project and I'm still in touch with all the women and I, and I hope my only I only care if they like the book to be honest <laughs> and my father and I hope my father doesn't disown me <laughs> when sure uh, when when is the pub date it's coming out uh, January 14th okay and you can pre-order it you can pre-order please it please pre-order yes. it um, pre-order my book I'll pre-order yours where do you buy, <laughs> wait where, where do you buy books online you can buy, so you can um, you can you can pre-order wherever you like to buy your books. You can go, you can pre-order on Amazon. You can pre-order on on IndieBound. Um, any place you like to buy your books, you can pre-order. It. And how do we find you online on Twitter? Or Insta, you can the best place to find me right now is um, at Lindsay Goldwert, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-G-O-L-D-W-E-R-T, um, or you can find me at Spent Podcast, which is my sleazy money podcast. Oh, yes. that, right, and that's starting up again soon. Yes, right? um, it's not. It's I shouldn't say sleazy. It's my funny money podcast for people who have, uh, you know, f financial challenges. So in the end, I just, all I want to write about is people who have interesting financial lives. So we'll lives. put a link to your podcast and a link to where you can pre-order this wonderful pre -order book. And I'm going to pre-order as soon as we... It's got some great tips yeah. for life. You can get everything you want in 2020. You can. Thanks to this book. You not, just, just, not just dominatrix services, but books about dominatrix yeah, services. Absolutely. It's fantastic. It's a great Galentine's Day book. Give it to your most irritated friend. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you for that. We're really looking forward to it. We have come to the end of the podcast. This is where we do our yups. These are the little rays of light, the little beacons of hope that... Uh, that Got us through the week. You're going to participate, Lindsay, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Okay. Let's, uh, let's go around the table. Rachel, what do you have? Okay, so um, my yup, this is like news that nobody can use, but um, <laughs> <laughs> my yup goes to dill, not the herb, which I love too. I think it's a wonderful Make herb. the finest pickles. But there's a restaurant <laughs> in Reykjavik called Dill, Ooh. and it is transcendent. It uh, just reopened after a long hiatus. There's a new chef. I think people will be hearing more about it. Um, it's just fabulous. <laughs> as <laughs> much as they hear about any restaurant in Reykjavik. Sounds so good. It'll be the number one ranked. <laughs> yeah, I feel like after I went on like that rant about noble-hearted schmutzig, that like five-hour <laughs> meal I had in Germany, <laughs> it was just like, we were like walked What was out. the one dish that was the highlight? Um, was it fermented shark? No, puffin? no. It was, it, was, it was a puffin. It was nothing like, there was like some cod dish that was like fabulous. Um, the vegetables were incredible. They have vegetables, root vegetables. Root vegetables. They know what I they're mean, doing. Cold. I'm not sure it they was, have a lot of it. It was truly like a mind-blowing experience. So, cool. Dill. Okay, Dill. My yup is going to be very quick. Uh, it's Daniel Goldman, the counsel for the Democrats on the impeachment committee. He is, is that his name? Oh my God, he has so much BDE. I can't yeah, even take yeah. it. No. Yeah, he's brilliant. He's articulate and he's hot. Um, he needs a little sun. He needs a little sun. He's a little sallow. He has Who a little. Us? He has a little Jared Kushner look about him, which I don't care for. Um, he's like the the good twin of Jared Kushner's yes. evil twin. Um, <laughs> yes. But go look up his bio. Bio, it's fascinating. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail. You can watch him for yourself. He's live. He's bringing the noise. He's live and in person mm. every day. Uh, not he's no longer in the basement no. of the Star Chamber. <laughs> They've let him out. They've unleashed him into yeah. the above ground. So that's my yup, uh, Daniel Goldman. Lindsay, what do you have? So my yup is definitely the movie Parasite. Um, I, I know that it's been out for a few weeks, but I saw it this 
this week and it really blew me away. I'm a big movie person and it just sort of speaks to a lot of what we're talking about with money and a little bit of grifting and crazy family stuff. It is definitely the, the yup of the week Okay, no spoilers me. though. Yes, I'm dying no to spoilers. My Zero only question, spoilers. My question is like how long is it? Because It's I really, long. Oh, but geez. But I, I'm a big believer in the John Waters rule that every minute over 90 minutes better count for something. Yeah, you have yes. to justify it. And it does. Yeah. Okay, it does. Yeah. Well, then that says a lot about yes. it. Okay. I'm very picky. Yeah. Wow, that was an amazing episode. Thanks to you, Lindsay. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks to you. Such Thanks for treat. coming. We're, yes. I think we're getting in the bag. We have some more guests coming in more for guests. the holiday season we have now. We the best guests We on really the show. do. We're very selective. Not everybody gets to I'm be a honored. guest. We, get a, we have a waiting list of people. Oh my we gosh. just kick them to the curb. It means a lot to if me. If they ask. So thank you. You made this a great uh, episode. Um, if you've been enjoying this podcast, what should we do? Rachel what should they do well just go into your app and give us five stars not yeah. four we don't want four no. that's the worst it's insult. like giving an uber driver four they'll lose their livelihood if yeah you give no them that's four. like no. a big fuck you but give us five and write a review we love hearing yeah, even from if you. it's just like they're funny even or if they're like, smart i like me yeah. like me like me likey i'm baby i'm baby <laughs> <laughs> 30 to 50 feral hogs, the perfect canvas for any sponsor braids. Okay, boomer. Anything. <laughs> Anything. Okay. 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 Rate, review, subscribe, get your friends to subscribe, tell your friends, all of that stuff. Thank you for listening. This has been This Week in Nope. The podcast where we shut it down. Wanna be my new friend? We got a lot in